I'm Commander Shepard, and the Unnamed Games Podcast is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Shepard out. Hello, people of the internet, and welcome to episode 27 of the Unnamed Games Podcast. I'm Craig, your usual host, and this week we've got uh, lots of news to talk about. So we've got some stuff about Stadia on Xbox, about Pablo Schreiber's Master Chief, and also some big news around the Xbox Bethesda acquisition. So some good stuff. But before we go any further, just another reminder, like I said last week, um, I am going to be migrating the um, audio services over to Anchor. So I think possibly this week will be the last time it will be over on the existing service. So if you do have trouble the following week, just remember you may have to research for the podcast, but hopefully it will go over as per normal. So uh, I'll move over now and introduce the panel. So we're another three this week. So with me, I have Mr. Ratley Ratster. How are you, mate? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and hello to everybody out there. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> lovely, lovely. And I have Mr. Phil, a Mr. Speed Freak Phil. How are you, mate? Ahoy, hoy, people of the internet. <laughs> I'm wonderful, thank you very much. Good Ready for another exciting week of gaming. Yes, mate. Cool, cool. Right, so, yeah, let's, let's crack on with the normal and find out what people have been up to this week. So, I think um, Chris was off last week, so we'll go to Chris first, because he's going to have a couple of weeks of stuff to talk about, potentially. Or wow. he might have nothing. He may have just been laying in a dark room asleep. <laughs> well, only some of the time. Um, like half, well, maybe more than half. I don't know. Anyway, um, I have been watching a lot of Netflix, doing a lot of catch up, playing a bit of uh, Outriders, uh, playing um, just some other bits and bobs on the PC. Gone back and played a bit of Division One. Also played Control for the first time on the PC. I was quite enjoying that. Netflix, I've binged a ton of series. I watched all of Superstore, um, which I think you were talking about last week. Um, <laughs> done the whole lot in a in about three days whilst painting and stuff um it's it's good it's 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 not a classic but it's certainly got some great characters in there dina in particular is one oh, of my favorites mate, love it like some of the stuff she comes out <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're all they're all great to be fair there's like but it's it's it lacks there's it doesn't quite have that magic of like a friends no. but it's still a really good fun entertaining show mm. um yeah i really enjoyed it so uh also um oh, i'm trying to think what else i watched i finally got around to watching season three of star trek discovery mm. um uh, I'll discuss that with Alan when he's next about because we've been you know, chatting a bit on WhatsApp anyway. But um, absolutely loved it. Um, I seen a lot of hate for that online, and I just don't get it. Mm. Like um, it's just one of these weird things that I'm like, were you watching the same show I was watching? Because that was <laughs> that was awesome as far as I was concerned. I really enjoyed that, you know. Um, so maybe it's the old trick purists again. Yeah, yeah, more like, like Alan always says. These people who are um, trekheads telling other trekheads what's good trek. It's like. You know, I mean, I, I can be a little guilty of that around a couple of movies, but it's more a case of I don't like them. It's not that it's like so well and good if you can get enjoyment out of them, but for me, they didn't feel very Star Trek or didn't necessarily land right for me. But um, yeah, but anyway, I really enjoyed that. Like I say, um, no spoilers, but ends on a really high note. Uh, the oh, whole season yeah. is good. Yeah, I think there's going to be season four is going to be yeah, yeah. I think the the, the, the they've set up a really interesting season four, shall we say? So super excited about that. Um, you know, like I say, Superstore was great. I've watched a couple of movies, nothing in particular. Getting pumped for Snyder Cut next week. Mm. Um, and Control, uh, which is another big thing. I've done played Control. I was going to mention this because um, I had quite a fun experience of it, and it's, it's sort of opened my eyes to a new thing. So been playing it um, on the PC, so I've got ray tracing enabled on the PC, like all the bells and whistles. I was talking to you about this, Craig. I know that you know about this. And um, 
I've discovered a whole new thing, which has made me think ray tracing and horror games is going to be a whole nother level of heart attack because I kept running around in control. I mean, whoa, 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 see that guy. Oh, yeah, it's my reflection. Running around. Oh, it's my, it's my reflection. Because <laughs> you're so not used to seeing your own reflection in a game rendered so perfectly that, like, because it, it renders perfectly with the, with the ray tracing on the PC. Like, everything is, like, literally as it would be. So I turn corners and at the corner of my eyes, I see this thing moving. I'm like, oh, like, it's like, oh, it's me again, isn't it? Right. Okay. And you know, it can get to that point where I'll become complacent about my reflection yeah. and just ignore enemies. So I think they're my reflection. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. So it's been a whole new thing. I was like, and it made me think I've never played. If I were to make like an alien isolation with ray tracing, like, nope, just nope, 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 nope. I mean, that game's enough for nope anyway. So what you're saying is of myself. Yeah. So what you're saying is the future of horror games is a house with lots of mirrors in it. Yeah. It's and mirrors. nothing else. Yeah. You scare yourself. You get in your yeah. own head. <laughs> is, it, is it me? Is it a demon? And then they'll do like one of those house of mirrors where you go in and then they reflect off the different Mate, mirrors. Think about that. Think... House of mirrors, like with ray trace graphics, mm. that could be mental in a survival horror mm. game or like a horror game. That would be hor- just a horrible experience, right? Yeah, so I think they can do, um, isn't it, eight ray traced bounces or something like that in the current gen? Currently, yeah, but I mean, as we go further down the line, yeah, the crap out of you. (laughs) Yeah, further down the line, that's going to get better and better. And you can you imagine, mate, like how far we get, like you know, like we get to like something like a house of mirrors with a with a guy with an axe chasing you in VR. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you would never sleep again. Like that would be the end of you. Horrendous. (laughs) Yeah, but it would just be terrifying, you know. So uh, it made me realise like how much ray tracing. When people say, oh, you know, the graphics, it's one of those graphical advancements, I think, until you experience and really get your hands on and and see the tangible difference it can make, you wouldn't understand why you use it. Now, don't get me wrong, there's like, as we discussed previously, when Control got its uh, testing on the 60 FPS, or it was 30 FPS on console at the minute with ray tracing. Um, and, you know, my, my, my PC will run it at 20, uh, sorry, 60 FPS with all the ray tracing maxed out. Um, it does make me like question, like you know, would I take the frame rate hit for it below sixty? Probably not. I mean, I was running it at 1080p, so I would like to see, obviously, like in the future with console releases, maybe we don't have to have it at 4K fully ray traced. Why can't we have the option to have 1080p higher frame rates? But equally, like when we get the, I forget, you'll know what the name for uh, uh, DLSS, the, um, the, yeah, the, the DLSS version mm-hmm. done by. Um, you know, for for our, our machines is going to be, you know, I, I wonder how much that will improve performance, you know. So we'll have to wait till that comes along, obviously. But yeah, I mean, super excited. Control is a great game as well. Really, really pleased to be playing that. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, really impressed with how that plays and the, just the whole concept of it, like the the way the gun works. This the whole the whole thing is very very cool. I love the way it throws you into that story. It doesn't like have the whole. It just throws you in, and like you kind of have to explore and find out what's going on. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very um, it's very you like it. um, uh, not X well, like X Filesy or or kind of um, I forget the other show. Um, Tales uh, out of limits. Out of limits. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, oh, it's really. Yeah, everything just all the paranormal and weird, and nothing yeah. is out of out of the bounds of possibility. Or the Twilight yeah. Zone, etc. That, that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. See, I, I really liked it. I liked it. Like the first time you, you do, you clear, like, clear the the control point, and it and it sort of zaps all the room back to it. It's like, oh, this is quite cool, you know. And finding the objects of power. So I'm enjoying it. I haven't got very far, but I am enjoying it. I don't think it's a particularly big game, from what I understand. I think it's quite massive, quite short, from what I've heard. Mm. But it's, I mean, I'd, t- I'd always take a short, good game over a long, you know, tedious game all day long. It doesn't mean if it's good for eight hours. I'd rather it was good for eight hours than mm. you know, average for sixteen, shall we say? So yeah, I reckon know. probably got maybe fourteen, fifteen hours. I think out of the campaign on it. 
So cool. it's a reasonable cool. size game. And they've got, I mean, if you've got the, the um, have you got the control enhanced edition? I've got it? the ultimate edition. It's just the one that's on Game Pass. So I'm just running it on Game Pass on my PC. So, of course. I mean, if, you know, we'll see what happens after when I finish with it if I decide to go back in and, and do any more. Um, but I, yeah, I'll say I'm enjoying it, certainly. You know, um, mm. I'm also looking forward to Outriders now as well because I've been playing a bit of that. That's That's been a lot of fun. But yeah, I won't go too much into that. We did a whole bit on it that had to get chopped for technical reasons. Mm. Um, but I'm really enjoying Outriders. I think it's going to be a fun game. Certainly looking forward to the release of it. Mm. You know, I've got well, my there's... first legendary. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, there's actually, mm. I think it might be just, it's a bit of a, t tuck a little bit of news or a little bit of rumour in there as well. There was a, yeah, an email yeah. came out from Melissa McGame Pass, wasn't there? That's yeah. got a lot <laughs> of... Uh... Game Pass. Such I love marketing. it, that sort of pseudo, pseudo news with the clues. Yeah, yeah well, there's obviously, like, yeah, I wasn't going to mention it, but as you say, there was a big like the the last line of that pretend email thing they do was just a massive like like insinuation that outriders would go on game pass mm. um i mean sign me up i'm I'm all for that you know if uh if it goes you know, day on day one on game pass um uh, yeah i think it'd be really good for the game as well truthfully so i hope it does because i think more more people playing it is you know going to be better for for everyone but yeah super mm. excited for that mm. Good stuff. Excellent. Cool. Well, Mr. Phil, what have you been up to, my man? I've done my usual. So I've uh, played a lot of Destiny, just, you know, getting in my weekly challenges there. Um, but I do have a good recommendation for TV this week that I've been oh, saving yeah, up. And I think you boys are both going to like this. Because um, we all like kind of racing games and cars and things like that. So we're pretty safe. So on Disney+, Plus, now that you've got the Stars Network on, they've added a little documentary on there called Supercar Mega Builds. And it follows the guy who does the Khan customs. So the guy's, guy's name is Abs, Asvel Khan. Absel Khan. I probably pronounced that horribly. Hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> I doubt he does. Money. He, <laughs> no chance they'll be doing that. He's too busy building like Lamborghinis. But he basically he's hired these two like British engineers, like an engineer and a mechanic. And they worked for like, you know, Ford and um, Audi and VW. And they would like fix problems with their production cars and design prototypes and things like that. And he's basically hired them both. And then he gives them like a design brief of something he wants to do and then just gives them money to go and do it and a time limit. So, like the last one I watched, they were building um, an armored G Wagon. So, they mm. bought like a 2012 G Wagon okay. and they needed to make it like bulletproof and like with all the security features, like cameras all around it. And it had to have like 400 horsepower. So, they had like nitrous to it as well. Um, so they could take a celebrity to like to a party uh, for a red carpet event. So it had to look amazing, go amazing, and it had like Kevlar lining for the doors and stuff. It was amazing, and they they just okay. they did like um a Dakar like they took a Range Rover Evoque and made it into like a a Paris Dakar rally truck instead, okay, but like yeah. a um like a really high end one, so to speak. So it was all plush inside, but it could do a Dakar rally. So there's loads of cool stuff like that. It's like a, an Aston Martin Vantage and made it into like a GT2 car for the road. Um, okay. But they go into a lot of like the technical stuff. They do it. And, and the guy's quite good. He's quite challenging. He's like, okay, you've got like two weeks to build this like GT2 car and it needs to have like 600 horsepower and it needs to work and be perfect. Go and do it. So I would highly recommend that. There's two seasons on there. It's about eight episodes a season, 45 minutes an episode well worth a watch i do like stuff um, like that yeah it sounds quite yeah interesting. I, I got recommended it like two days ago by my mate baz and i've like six episodes in already <laughs> i'm absolutely hooked so well worth a watch there nice um and the other thing i've dipped in this week uh for a particular reason which craig will discuss in a moment is the ghost of tsushima multiplayer so it came out and i was quite excited but i didn't really have anyone to play it with at the time so i didn't 
sort of go in and play it in the end. I sort of looked at it and mm, seems interesting and then didn't have anyone to play it with. Mm. But me and Craig went back in that a couple of nights ago and oh, it's so good. It's like everything Avengers could have been, but that's, isn't. That's the, sh- the shocking thing about that game is that it is like a games of service, but it, uh, where it's got gear scores, it's got you know different types of mechanics to play through. You know, it's multiplayer. You know, you can farm different things, and it's an add-on to an additional already very good game, and it's still five, ten times better than the Avengers and Anthem. It's insane what they've managed to do as just a little side project. It blows my mind how these big companies can get it so wrong for their main game. (laughs) You know? Um, It's, yeah. And other companies can produce a multiplayer that gets it so right. I mean, it's got, like, a whole bunch of stories in there to play through in co-op as two-player. It's got, like, a survival mode on there. It's got, like, challenge mode. You know, you get, like... It's so good. I said, I think, but when you mentioned like things like Anthem, that I think basically it's because with Ghost of Tsushima, they set out to make Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. and they wanted to make this that game. And they made that game, and then they were like, "Oh, we can have this really cool multiplayer thing." And they made things because they wanted to make them, and they had a clear idea of how to make them. Anthem, for example, was obviously like you know they wanted to do one thing, they were told to do another, which was like mm-hmm. we discussed this the other week. And it's like when you don't let people do the thing they want to do and they're passionate about, everything will suffer from it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, Avengers was obviously a marketing exercise. Yeah, we know. Mm. We know Avengers was blatantly a marketing exercise. It was like mm. we can stick. There was that. There was that thought of we can just stick Avengers on any old crap and it'll sell. You know, and I'm fairly sure that a large chunk of the people who are playing it are in that zone of like I don't want to admit how bad it is. And I, I, because we all do that, right? I, I've done it with certain games. We're like, no, no, it's really not that bad. And you know, um, left alive. <laughs> I, 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 I did it to a certain extent with Mass Effect Andromeda. Like going back to Andromeda. Like I'm more accepting of its faults, but at the time I was trying desperately throughout the whole thing to convince myself that I was wrong about it and it was actually a brilliant game. Like I just wasn't seeing it, and I think I had a moment with with Mass Effect Andromeda. Where I just went, "Yep, no, it's just not that good." Mm-hmm. Colonial Marines had a moment where I said to my mate, I, I was up to one point in Colonial Marines, and then I keep going about. I was I was texting my going, "It's not as bad as everyone says. It's actually pretty all right." Blah 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 blah. You know, I expected worse, and then like I got to this one point and went, "Nope." <laughs> and I, text, I texted and just said aliens claimer just jumped the shark i'm done yeah you know, <laughs> but i'm so close to the end i'm gonna finish it but you know you have those moments of realization i think anthem though was was a product designed by committee not designed by passion yeah. and that's where ghost of tsushima is is so strong because it's um it's you know literally a, a game that was designed by people who wanted to make that game and they made the best thing they could. Yeah. So I think that's mm. what it comes down to it's passionate isn't it did you I hear imagine. about ghost of tsushima about the 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 region of tsushima are honouring them with the like the the, yes, the some, a, something, which is amazing. literally my next point. They it's made amazing. them official ambassadors to the island of Tsushima because mm. they did such a good job of representing like the folklore and like you know their culture and how the island looked. They did such a good. They're official lifelong ambassadors mm. of Tsushima Island. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, cool, that's that. so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. What's, good stuff. what's more amazing about that to me, and this is a little. To, little bit nuts but did you think they got a load of like grief initially like they apparently whitewashed all of ghost of shooting there was this big controversy about it and then for that i like, properly sort of settled down going well the people who live there love it and think you've done a wonderful thing i think we could probably put that put that whole discussion to bed and say they didn't do a bad thing they did a very good thing and they did it very very well so yeah yeah you know. i think it's yeah yeah no definitely i think that's very very cool because they have they've done a, a a masterful job with that game it is very very good and it makes me think just going back again to the anthem thing what if bioware were allowed to do the same thing create anthem the single player rpg game 
that mm. it feels like it was intended to be, and then had a multiplayer component with gear scores and stuff like that that you could load up that way. Maybe that well, game yeah. would have been a totally different kettle of fish. Because the game I, itself, I, yeah. flying around, shooting with your mates, yep. was fun. But yeah, you can feel the be. love. You can feel the love in the design of the javelins mm. and the different types of javelin and how they play together. And like you said, the flying mechanics. I mean, you can feel the love in that. And then yeah. it's just like the soul was crushed out of mm. the story that they wanted to put in there, and it was just hammered and mishmashed into this kind of yeah multiplayer centric smush. I, I don't even necessarily think that the multiplayer, like the squad thing, wasn't necessarily an original design component. I think the whole games as a service and trying to stretch it out into this you know this you know constant grind of stuff like this is why i think outriders you know just just on that outriders has got the model that anthem should have had yeah it's a it's a co-op story rpg which is what anthem should have been in my opinion mm. you know I, I think anthem which had, had a bigger broader story which would have elaborated more on the monitor and the actual law of anthem because anthem's law is incredible if you actually read all the law there's so much they've put into it and thought about and, and you just think, you know, if you, they'd have been really to like do the Bioware and let loose on that, like we said time and time again, you could have had this classic. And but yeah, that's moving away from that, you know, the, the point. But yeah, absolutely, I agree. Like if they'd have been, if Bioware had been able to make their the thing they were great at, we'd have had a better product. We, we I think that's that's been said to death about yeah. Anthem. Hasn't when it? we've said it, publishers to death learn. Death. Hey, when will these publishers learn? Yeah. So cool. All right. Well, thank you for that, Phil. Um, so what have I been up to? So for the keen-eyed of you, you may have noticed that my Series X has a companion with him. Uh, and that is... A sizable companion. Yes. My new PS5. Chunk. Yeah. <laughs> the tall boy. Chunk here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes. Uh, as I said last week, I managed to secure myself a PS5, which I was dead chuffed with. Um, again, you know, using MSTV tweets. Um, they were a, they were a, a, like a, a stock checking Twitter account. I mean, they just check, 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 check the stocks, bang the tweets out, and you just need to jump on it as quick as you can. And I managed to secure one from um, Smith's Toys in the UK. Um, and uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. So I've had it for it's got uh, just under a week now. So I've had a good chance to have a bit of play. And what I wanted to do was just kind of give my thoughts on it and try. I want to try and be really objective with it because you know I've, I've owned every PlayStation console. You know, from the original PlayStation 2, 3, 4, up to the, the, the Pro. Um, and But Xbox has always been my primary console ever since the first Xbox came out. I've just always gravitated more towards that, I guess, you know, for various different reasons. So, obviously, I've had plenty of time with the Series X, and I love that. And I want to be have a kind of a, a, as objective as you can be comparison between the two. So, I've broken it down into several sort of sections, really. Um, so, one of the first thing, and it's something that me and Chris talk about quite often, is the packaging of products. Again, I don't know if we've ever gone through this on the podcast, but we're both big advocates of having nice packaging, aren't we, Chris? Mm, yeah, yeah, well, it's a part of the experience, isn't it? You've paid a lot of money for something. Yeah. You want it to feel like you've paid a lot of money for something. Yeah, the, I mean, uh, the Apple know, experience, as they call it. Yeah, right? I mean, I've, I've, I had a really posh watch, watch, uh, watch once, and you know, like you unbox a really expensive watch, and you know, that, the whole thing feels incredibly premium. So you know, you've bought something expensive before you've got to the thing, you know? So it's, yeah, it's very true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, first touching on the Series Xbox, again, we, we you know, we, we talked about this previously, you know, the way that the box was specially designed, it kind of it folded in half, but diagonally across it. And it was sat there with a beautiful logo on it. And it was amazing how it was packaged. Um, PS5, much like the PS4, 
versus the Xbox One, they haven't really thought about packaging. It's very just functional. You know, nothing wrong with it. You know, it's perfectly well packed, but it was just like unpacking a DVD player or something. So unfortunately, a bit uneventful there. And it's always a little bit of a, yeah, oh, well, never mind, because you want a bit more fanfare when you're buying something. But so the packaging was, yeah, pretty bog standard. So um, uh, the physical unit itself, that's the next point I wanted to talk about. Now, again, I'm a big fan of the Series X design. I think it's quite sleek in the way it is. You know, it's, it's quite unassuming. And although it is just, it's a big black box, but it, it kind of just blends into the background. Um, and again, this, I can't be objective with this because it is just purely a personal opinion. Um, I, I think the PlayStation 5 is an ugly console. I think it's a horrendous looking <laughs> console, particularly the disc version. Um, not so much the digital version, because for me, the disc version, it has the huge bulge out of the bottom where the disc drive, it's like they've gone, ah, we forgot to put a disc drive on it and they just chuck it on the, chucked it on the side of it. Um, whereas at least this is symmetrical now um, and it looks a lot better, but it does still look like a, a router from 2007, um, something like that. So it's, <laughs> it's not the prettiest looking thing. Um, but, you know, from the physical from the performance wise of the physical unit it's quiet it seems to cool efficiently um yeah you know it's i quite like the little base stand the way that that's um it's got some quite nice little design um ideas in it the way you kind of turn it and it's got like the screws got a, its own little place where it's tucked away and you've got like a little stopper pad that's all built into it so you can tidy it all up and, that, and that's quite nicely done so and it does have tiny little um playstation logos like the little triangle mm. X circle and square dotted all over it, which is really, really cool. So I, I, I thought it was a cool touch to be fair. I yeah. Really yeah. Cool so touch, that's yeah. really, really nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, overall, yeah, you know, I wish it was a bit different, but you know, who knows there'll be a slim version might make it look a little bit nicer next time. What I may am considering doing is getting the panel sprayed black, which I think would do the world of good to it. It would just not look so garish. Um, next point I want to say about the UI. So the user interface is a big thing for me. Um, now, it, it's it's pretty exciting, the new user interface that they've put in. Um, and again, to sort of compare that with the Xbox, the Xbox have very much gone down, again, I'll say the Apple route, where you buy a new iPhone or a new iPad, and it's exactly the same. When you get it out of the box, you press the button, you log in, <coughs> and everything is there. Everything you own all of your settings, all of the way you set it up, it just ping and it's there. So in terms of usability, it's fantastic. But there's something about having a new console and a new user interface that's exciting. Like when you're trying to find, oh, that's a new feature. Oh, look at that. Oh, wow. And trying to find these new little features. And the PlayStation 5's got a number of them, which is good. Um, so the trophy system, I thought was really, really good. Um, so it's actually, when you, when you play a game, you can kind of come down from the game and you have... Uh, almost like guides to each of the trophies. So it might say you're 40% of the way through this particular achievement. Um, and this is what it's called. And then you can actually go deeper into that. And you, there's sometimes there might be a video on how to get that achievement, or there may be some guidance and things like that. So that's quite a cool, slick little feature. And it's, and it's nice and, and easy to get to and quick. A bit kind of like how the club system is, I suppose, on the Xbox, but it's just more of an overlay for it. So achievements um, do that on the Xbox, so you can go in and like check the check your progress and that. But it's just, it, I will say this though, it's there, but it's you have to like navigate through a lot to get to it. So it sounds yeah. like PlayStation have made it just smoother, basically. So yeah, it it's good. just more right in, in front of your face, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of what they've, they've, they've kind of caught up a bit on that and just, just I think, improved on it slightly. Yeah, which is good. Um, yeah, uh, the video system, I think, is really good. So what they've actually done is if, for example, you've taken a screenshot, uh, sorry, or, a, or a, screen, a video capture and you wanted to view it back, 
it's nice when when you see the tile for it and you click on it it will literally play it within that tile and you can click it and to maximize it to like a quarter screen and then you can maximize it full screen so it's very much overlaid over the top which again something on the xbox i find it's quite it constantly seem like you're loading into a new app to get all the video up so i think having yeah. an overlaid video player really does make a difference and that's quite a next gen feeling kind of feature on it so that's yeah, something that was used to which used to frustrate me on the Xbox where I click on a screenshot, I'd be like, okay, cool, and I go back to the next one, and it would take me right back out to the dashboard yeah. again, and then I have to press the center button, yeah. tab yeah. across, down say to that, reason, yeah. find the next one, then that would load it in a window. And on the yeah. Xbox, you then had to choose between the HDR version and reload it with HDR because mm. it only ever yeah. loads the SDR version as standard. Thankfully, it loads, loads HDR as standard now, which is good. Mm. But like, yeah, I totally agree for that. I will say this, I think the Xbox has handled media pretty poorly for a while now, and I think mm. they need to look into how they improve that and it sounds like playstation are doing a really good job they've kind of gone the other way from the xbox one when the xbox one first came out all they talked about was media yeah. <laughs> now they've yeah. gone the other way <laughs> sorry on, on the on the interface side the dashboard is that hdr as well on the playstation 5 uh, it's native 4k hdr isn't it yeah it's native 4k hdr which is one yeah, thing that it, everyone made about it doesn't, i don't think it, it doesn't switch does it when you go no. between unless you're going no. to a non-hdr product whereas on xbox the dashboard is natively non-hdr then you yeah. have to switch into HDR depending on the application you're yeah. using. What's, what's yeah, so stupid, that though, is the dashboard can render in HDR because when you pop the 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 um the, the guide out in an HDR game, it's all in HDR. So mm. it's one of these things where everyone said to, to Microsoft, why the hell isn't the the dash rendering in 4K HDR? Why isn't it doing it? You know, you, you've built the machine that's more than capable. What the hell? I, and I, I, yeah, I don't understand that one personally. That's just a bit yeah, weird for me. Yeah. But. yeah, well, it's not something I'd even notice, to be honest. But, yeah, it's a very good point, actually. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so another very, very cool feature, actually. How much I'd actually use it, I don't know. There may be certain <laughs> occasions you might use it, but it's just a cool toy, if not. Um, you can go into a party with somebody. Say, for example, I was playing Miles Morales, um, and... Um, you're in a party with someone, you can say, oh, check this level out, for example. You can share your screen with them within the party, but you can then hand control over to them so they can actually control your game from their party and actually yeah. just swing around as Spider-Man. It, it's, you know, it streams at like yeah. probably seven. That was, that was what you shared with me with yeah. across PlayStation, wasn't it? So mm -hmm. I could try Miles Morales out. Because yeah. I've not played the, uh, the PlayStation Spider-Man game. Yeah. I should, but I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, yeah. And it was quite cool. I mean, it renders quite low res. It was like 720p, I think. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it's it got, I think it's lag or anything, which I think was really cool. Yeah, potentially quite a good feature if, let's say, mm. I don't know, say you've got a kid who's like you, you, one of your kids might be struggling on a level, for example. You go, all right, you pass the control over to me, and you could help them with that level and show them how to do it, and then hand the control back. So I could see, you know, like I say, how often you would use that. Uh, probably not a lot, but it is quite a cool little extra. Do you remember the controversy the first time around with that? So I think it was, I think it was like Destiny or something like that. They did it with, and basically people would hand control over to someone on YouTube, and they'd go in and delete all their exotics. Yes, oh. yeah. yeah, and there was a loud news yeah. article because there was like kids were being like scammed by YouTubers and mm. Twitchers because they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'll help you get this achievement. Go in and delete, delete, delete." And before they could oh, get no back, because you had to hand back control, all their stuff had been deleted. Oh no way! So it's on the That's PS4 just, as well. Then this feature. That was on the PS4. It had oh, that I didn't feature. Even know yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. So it's not that new a feature, but <laughs> I think there, there's some there's some changes to it in PS5, I think, from what I remember seeing when, when Sony announced it. But yeah, mm. it's just a weird thing you said though, it just made me remember something I wanted to talk about in a pod, just as a, a, a just it's not a big thing. But 
I was watching Nintendo's advert for the for this Mario advert they're doing at the minute, and there was one really heartwarming little bit in it. And I just wanted to mention because you mentioned about handing control to your kid, you know, taking over and helping your kids. And there's a mum and a, a son at one point talking about their their love of Mario. And she actually says in the advert, she goes, "When you went to bed, we'd sit up and play the level, the next level through, and try and figure out where all the mushrooms and things were, so that when you woke up the next day, we could go. Why don't you just try this? And give you a little help, so you could beat it on your own, but nice. not realize that you'd had the help." I was like. Oh, that's really sweet. That is, you know, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's a good, that's that's great parenting right there. And I was like, you know, the, the way video games like can can do such you know, positive things for relationships as well. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, good thing, good thing. I just it just reminded me when you said this. I thought I just yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, no, that's like, cool. Oh, man. I like that. that. <laughs> um, cool. What else was yeah? So yeah, just kind of rat- finalizing on the UI. I think you know, there's overly, it's really nice to have something new and fresh to to, to look at. I don't think it's been overly well thought out in some areas. Again, like a lot of button presses that are unnecessary to get to certain areas. I'm just finding it a little bit higgledy-piggledy, but it's a brand new UI. You know, you go with the Xbox user interface and it's had iteration upon iteration and it's been around for a long time, whereas this is, it's not been out there and tested in the wild. So you're going to need time for them to make improvements and make it better. But um, really good showing from it. I've been really enjoying that um and then well last but not least the controller obviously is is a huge thing and one of the things i've been most excited to try out um and it's definitely by far hands down the best playstation controller yet with but beyond a shadow of a doubt absolutely the best playstation controller yet um the haptic feedback on it is really cool um if you play the game that comes with it which is astro's playroom it's obviously it's it's a game but it is a tech demo and it's designed to show off that controller that's that's basically what it's for um you know you can go from say you i don't know you're walking along um some metal and you can feel it going tink 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 and you can hear it from the little speaker as well on there and you can feel the tiny little tappy footsteps and then you jump onto sand and you can feel the crunch 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 under your hands from the little haptics all within the controller um you may jump into like a little jetpack and when you pull the triggers that resist and then snap as the trick as the jet boosters kick in and, and fly off so it's really really cool little features when you're playing it within a game so miles morales for example um is the only ps5 apart from astro is the only ps5 game i've got um it's it's much more subtle it's just when you fire your webs it's a very very light little tiny bit of resistance as it thwips the web out um and then the haptics are just it's like an, a, a slightly higher definition version of the rumble so it's a lot more subtle i'd be really interested to try it in a racing game you know pulling the trigger and feeling that with you know breaking resistance and stuff like that and also try it on a shooting game feeling recoil from a, from a gun could be quite cool um, i think can't you um Call of Duty, I think, has it because when you run out of War bullets, zone. it locks the uh, yeah. the trigger so that you can't pull the trigger until you reload. Yeah, oh, um, okay. yeah. Because I was uh, I was reading uh, like a comments thread about about the controller, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, it's, when I play Warzone, I turn it off because mm. they're like they like, say it's really intrusive." But but yeah, when they play other games, they want that experience on, so they yeah yeah they, they switch it on and off as it. But it's like they say because in Warzone, it can be really yeah like, it's jarring for it to snap. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and I, I can see that. You know, yeah. I think that's not. A competitive area, you don't. A lot of people who play competitive will turn all rumble off anyway, yeah. like because it gets in the way, doesn't it? Yeah, so, and yeah. I totally understand that. You know? Some people who would play, I remember back in the day playing PUBG, for example, they would put the graphics mm. on the bare minimum so there wouldn't be any foliage yep. and stuff like that. So, yep. see people easier because it's just yep. about getting the competitive edge. But I can imagine playing through a single player campaign, you know, Call of Duty and storming through a house with your night vision on and the gun recon, it could be really good immersive experience. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I will say again, I try and be as objective as I can. Um, 
I still prefer the Xbox controller and particularly the latest iteration. It just feels it's it's much more solid. It's it's got more weight to it, more heft. Well, it's smaller, but it it feels more solid and more and uh, just better built. Really, the the PS5 controller does feel a little flimsy, quite light, and it just doesn't feel like it's as durable. Um, but again, over time, we'll see. And, and I know there's been a number of reports of stick drift and problems with the PlayStation 5 controllers. But again, you know, the the Xbox controller has worked off a tried and tested design that has just been iterated on and made slightly better. You know, they've made their mistakes in the past and they've, they're, they're making it better and trying to fix it. Whereas PlayStation 5 have gone, here you go, here's a brand spanking new controller with all loads of bells and whistles on it. It's going to have problems. It's not going to be perfect. And I'm sure, again, like they did with the DualShock, DualShock 2, DualShock 3 and all that, they, they iterate and make it better as they go. But so far, best best shown of a playstation controller by far um yeah and i i suppose i just mentioned yeah miles morales game you know it's that's the main ps5 game that i've been playing although i've played some things that have been upscaled to ps5 um it's um yeah really beautiful looking game but it is a beautiful looking game on the ps4 pro as well um i'm running on the performance ray tracing mode so 60 frames per second with ray tracing they've just cut down a bit on the volumetrics and some of the some of the lighting and stuff like that but it's definitely the way to play it um and, it, and it's yeah absolutely stunning game stunning um a little annoyance i found and something that's really highlighted a feature that i didn't really think was a feature on the xbox is smart delivery I was kind of like, why are they harping on about smart delivery? Great, you download it, it downloads the right version. Why would you not download the right version? It appears there is a reason they put that in because it doesn't seem that clear to everybody. Um, the PlayStation 5 is like, I was trying to play Control uh, because Control Ultimate Edition was last month. It was the PlayStation 5 PS Plus game. Kept, installed it. Luckily, I have fast broadband, so it doesn't take me long to install it. So I installed it, put it on. I couldn't find any of the ray tracing features, couldn't change any of the playthrough. I was like, this just feels like the normal version. I thought, oh, what's going on? So I deleted it thinking maybe I've, it's not fully set up yet or something. Redownloaded it, still had the same issue. Then I realised that the game that was claimed from the store was the PS4 version, not the PS5 version. Although they're intrinsically linked, but you can download the wrong version. <laughs> Um, I know um, a friend of mine who's got a PS5 had done that with Destiny 2, had managed to download the PS4 version somehow, not the PS5 version. I don't know how that on earth you managed to do that. Maybe you did it for an app or something. Um, it just it, it, it boggles my brain that this is not something that just naturally happens. Um, I think you had an issue with something like that, Phil, didn't you as well? Uh, well I had an issue with... I can't remember now. It was no, ages ago. What did I have? It was one of the games I had an issue with. Yeah, yeah. It was another. It was another. But you know, it's just, it's just, it's a thing like but that. But that was where... a, that was a pro, that was on the the older PS4. That was on the Pro. I think I had the issue. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was on the Pro. Um, yeah, it was on the PS4 Pro that I had an issue with. Yeah, it. but it's one of those. Yeah, it's just it's a daft little thing that was really frustrating. And also, um, I went, I fired up a game that I, uh, Days Gone that I played on my PS4. I was like, why is it making me start again? Ghost of Tsushima. It's making me start again. I purposefully went into the PS4 Pro. And again, this is another crazy thing. Because I game share with Phil, um, his home con his console is my set as my home console. So we do our game sharing. I can't set up to automatically upload my save games to the cloud. Won't let me do it. So I have to manually upload them. So I thought, right, I'm going to upload my saves manually. So they're all there when I set up my PS5. Fired the PS5 up. 
no save games. I had to go in and manually download my saves. It's like having Dropbox in your console. And again, I suppose that's an absolutely fine function. But when you think to the Xbox, where it is, again, I'll go back to an Apple, Apple kind of, you know, product the way they, they do things, which is just you sign in, turn it on. It's just done. Everything's there. It just mm. works. Um, you know, it's so it's so much better thought out, and I guess that's because it's coming from Microsoft, and they're a software company, aren't they? Um, and it yeah. makes it makes a huge difference. But um, I guess that's kind of my. Sorry, I've waffled on for probably about fifteen minutes there about it, but you know, ah, it's, it's comprehensive, mate. Mate, it's just I wanted to kind of, like I say, be as honest as I could about it. I mean, I'm loving playing with it. It's a great console, um, and it's nice just to compare between the two. But I mean, have you, Chris, have you got any questions about anything or? I think you've covered it fairly well, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm. I was expect. Well, I, I was, I was wondering how you were going to find like the, da- the data transfer and things because I've read so many reports of people like being, you know, like frustrated. Oh, yeah. it's, it's mainly the weird thing about that is people who have never, never had an Xbox and done the Xbox transfer from like say one to the other, where you just literally plug it in, sign in, done. Mm. Um, other than downloading your stuff, obviously everything's just instant. And if it's on a hard drive, you don't even have to bother downloading it; it's just done. Mm. Um, you know that that sort of experience is so good that that if you've never had that experience and you have to do the whole manual transfer you just think that's how it works mm. yet the people who've had both consoles like yourself mm. will, will just constantly say god sony's unboxing experience is woeful compared mm. to microsoft's so i was quite interested to see how you handle the save transfers and mm. things like that um because i know that one of the big i think it was paul tassi one of the, one of the bigger games journalists he had a nightmare moving his data from his PS4 Pro to his PS5. Mm. It took forever because he was doing it like via the cables. And apparently like almost everyone said that is just a horrible experience to, to, to manually to do it via the cables. And um, so, yeah, very weird. But um, yeah, I think overall, I think you've covered most of the stuff like the, the controller sounds interesting. I'm quite surprised to feel, to, to hear your, your take on the fact that it feels uh, not, not, not Donnie was aware flimsy, but it doesn't feel solid. It yeah. looked like a really solid controller mm. to me, so I was quite surprised to hear you say that. It, it's not. It's not. It's not it doesn't yeah, feel I know it's bad. Not flimsy. It doesn't yeah. feel bad. But then you know, I would I pick that up and then I pick the Xbox One back up again, and it just feels yeah. it feels like you could you could. So, I feels like you could break a door down with the Xbox One. Do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say. Um, so just as a reference, you're always talking about a standard Xbox controller, not yes. an Elite controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the standard yeah, series. series X controller yeah yeah the other thing i was going to say is as well like it's it's very much like when you look at the the, the like you were saying like and i thought when you were saying about the word the, the looking word phrase the xbox controller is very dense now like mm. you know it's really crammed into this chassis. dense is a good so, word yes so dense. so but but that's a really great way to describe the series x as well the series x is a very dense console you know that thing is is compact and doing and it just it feels like you pick it up and it's there do you know what I mean? And I know that the PlayStation 5 is obviously a much bigger unit, so I'd imagine it doesn't feel in that way. As It's probably still big and it's still heavy, but I can't imagine it has that same kind of heft that the Series X no. has because it's not as, it's not as, you know, as dense, essentially. Well, there's, there's you know? a, just, to, just to go on from what you're saying there, actually, a perfect example is I've obviously unplugged both of them from downstairs to bring them up and have them behind me for the podcast. So mm. when I brought, bring the PlayStation up, it's, you know, you get that plastic squeak on stuff where you yes. pick something up and you can hear, feel the plastic kind of rub it against each other. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like it's twisting or anything, but yeah. you pick that up, but it's like 
picking the the Xbox was like picking a breeze block up. It is completely solid. <laughs> it doesn't make any yeah. So it's much better built. Um, and I think you could see that from the teardown videos. You know, you watch the Xbox yeah. teardown videos versus the PlayStation one. It was there's a lot of plastic in the PlayStation one. You know, um, yeah. they've tried to keep that design cost right down with it, haven't they? Um, I, and- I was always really surprised whenever I saw like how well engineered the Xbox was. And that's not to take away from what Sony have done, mm. but the level of engineering in a Series X, I was like, bloody yeah, yeah this is really impressive what they've what they've done is they've really thought about this mm. like how they get it in such a small box you know crazy crazy but yeah, yeah but so I, 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 it sounds like the playstation's a really nice machine to be fair mm. um, yeah, if i had you know more of a more of a desire to get one i'd, I'd probably jump on one but yeah, yeah there's just not enough on there for me you know again not that it's a bad console just i've got everything i need in my xbox and i'm happy yeah. there you know yeah. like it would be, it would be pointless to a degree yeah that's the it's purely i use it for exclusives and sony mm. got some fantastic exclusives that i don't want to miss out on i loved my yeah. god of war experience i'm really enjoying playing days gone um ghost of tsushima is really good fun and yeah ghosts and god of war were the two that i'm i the only two games from the last generation where i'm really sad that i missed out on like god those of war two i really want to play yeah it's just it's fantastic it's amazing they both got ps5 upgrades so mm. when you pick one up at some point in the future jump in on them mm. yeah well, you know I, I was thinking about actually wait until the the ps4 pro goes down in price a little bit and maybe just grab it for those games just get one really cheap but you know mm. they're not dropping at the minute because people are buying them up cheap because well i say cheap they're buying them up because people are selling them to upgrade to ps5s you know so i guess if you haven't quite got the money for a ps5 you yeah. have a ps4 pro but you know, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear your take and some pretty honest honest sort of takes there mate and i think you know like you say there definitely sounds like media the media experience like in terms of your game media it's, it's much better on the PlayStation 5 mm. than it is on the Xbox. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you guys about the way Xbox handles media. It's, 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 it does it, and it does it okay. Yeah. But, like, it's one of those experiences where, you know, it's not... I take a lot of screenshots in The Division, and sometimes it's a real pain in the backside to try and figure out which yeah. ones I want to share and which ones I delete. I also, like, Phil brought this up ages ago with um, the way that playstation cues it doesn't doesn't automatically upload anything does it does it feel like you were, you were saying no mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that, that, hard drive yeah yeah that kind of annoys me about xbox at first i was like this is brilliant all my screens are gone until you start taking a lot of screenshots and then you realize that suddenly you filled your entire like cloud storage space with crap because you didn't realize it uploaded plus the other thing is if you're in the middle of a game and you've got crappy broadband like me mm. you take a screenshot it starts uploading it can really ruin your game experience you know you get lag yeah. spikes and all this sort of stuff and it's like you know, I, you know I who do... has that problem, Craig, and has had to empty his cloud storage on his <laughs> Xbox numerous times. Uh, yes, the, 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 the infamous, infamous Julian, who was on an early episode of the podcast, <laughs> takes more more screenshots than David Bailey. Honestly, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. Old school photography joke there. Yeah. Old school photography yeah, joke. Yeah, there we go. Look, Shana age. <laughs> or oh, my age. Anyway, right. I've banged on about that for long enough, I think. And um, mm. it's, you know, people... Wait, I have bored. a quick loaded question for you, though. Loaded question. Which of the consoles feels like a more next-gen experience? If you're going for that next-gen feel, which one gives you a better next-gen feel? Are you like you open it and you jump into the game? Which one gives you that better next-gen feel? There's not really. The thing is, there's not really anything in it. The only thing I would say is the user interface. Having the 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 fresh UI gives you something. Oh, it feels like a brand new product. Whereas the Xbox felt like. It's my same thing, but it's just faster and better. In terms of the games, I mean, there was no, like, you know, obviously the, the, there's a big talk about the PlayStation 5 um, SSD drive being far the fastest one out there. 
there's nothing that's really shown me any faster than things would work on the Xbox. Nothing looks any better than it's been on the Xbox. They're you know, both great next-gen experiences. The only difference is that UI and the controller give you that bit of like, oh, it's something new and shiny. And that's something I did <laughs> miss a little bit on the Xbox. But I preferred them not to do it. Actually, in it, as much as I like that, you know, that for the first few days having something new to play with, I'd prefer to have something that just works right the first time and has been tested and tried and is rock solid. That's what I would prefer. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't, I don't know if that really answers your question or not, but. Not really, but hey. They're basically we'll the same. Like, we'll but that's like, got some we'll fancy let the new audience toys in make up yeah. their own minds. So that was very that's diplomatic, probably. Craig. Very well done, sir. Very yeah. well done. <laughs> <laughs> didn't go down either side of the fan oh. <laughs> mate you know, I tr- you know i like I, I make no i make um no excuses i i am an xbox man i love my xbox always have done um but i like all games and i like both consoles so anyway moving on moving on uh we've got some news and we have been yammering on for ages so we'll try and get through this um so there's a little thing been going on over the past few months um, about <laughs> um, a, a little-known company called Bethesda and ZeniMax. Um, obviously, we've known about a whole, the whole Xbox Bethesda acquisition happening, and it's been going through sort of monopolies, commissions, and is it the um, SCC, I think it is, in America? Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, going through various different governing bodies to make sure that, you know, that it's not illegal how the purchase is going. And that's all been finalized now. Um, and shortly afterwards, uh, they did a fantastic little round table event, uh, which I know, uh, I think you were busy at the time for what me and Chris both got to sit and watch, didn't we? Um, and uh, it was just it wasn't like game announcements and things like that, but it was nice just to sit there and have. Um, like your Pete Hines, your Todd Howard, your Aaron Greenberg, you had Phil Spencer. Just mates, just chatting yeah, exactly. about a 7.5 billion yeah, dollar yeah. deal. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was like them sitting around, sitting, sitting around a coffee coffee table or something, you know, just having a bit of a yeah. bit of a chat and stuff. You can see how they're getting on, but just talking about the way that they're going to work together um, in the future, it's, it's really quite exciting. Um, and we finally got um, some clarification on the big question that everyone's been asking. So what's the big question everyone's been asking, Phil? What is, what's what's all the fans been wanting to know about this acquisition? So are the new are the next generation of Bethesda games coming out going to be exclusive to Xbox? That's it. That's it. And I have got the quote here from Phil Spencer. I'm sure most of you probably already heard it. Um, but the, to quote him, it's, If you're an Xbox customer, the thing I want you to know is this is about delivering great exclusive games for you that ship on platform where Xbox Game Pass, Game Pass exists. So I think that's as clear as day. If you've got, If it's Game Pass is on it, then that's where them games are coming. They're still going to continue to support some legacy games. So if you've got things, for example, um, Elder Scrolls Online, it's a legacy game. They're not just going to turf it off the PlayStation because it's going to have a fan. But that would be a real poor, poor showing move. Yeah, Dick move. Yeah. That would be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, so you know they're going to continue with the, the all the deals, but it would very much seem that your Starfields, your Elder Scrolls Six. They're just coming to Game Pass and wherever that might be. So let's dig in. What are the thoughts? Let's go to you first, Chris. I mean, we talked about this long and hard, probably two or three weeks mm. when they first announced it. Um, I, I, I think it was like we, we all said that it would be like a, a an ecosystem exclusive thing, the Xbox thing. And I made the point at the time because um, I can remember, you know, just just us, us discussion. And I said, you know, the thing to remember about Game Pass is just how accessible Game Pass is. 
and I think and when we talked about the whole that about Phil saying he didn't want to take it away from gamers, they wanted to make it more available to gamers mm. was there was was his quote or available to more gamers. And I think Game Pass is the ultimate route to that. Whether PlayStation players like that as a route, that's TBC. Because obviously the, the the downside is they'll have to play on a, a a Game Pass device. Now that could be their phone. That could be you know I mean obviously we've got iOS devices coming on, so the iPad, etc. I I think this was inevitable. You know. Microsoft weren't going to throw this kind of money around just for the sake of it. Now, we also had the discussion about, oh, they had the money in the bank, so what the hell, they might as well do something with it. But even still, you know, this like, to buy something of that profile and that thing, it was always about getting content, especially when they were known for lack of content. Mm. It was obvious the plan was to bolster exclusive content. I'm not surprised. It's going to really knock some people off about Starfield, I think. There's going to be a lot of people who... But then equally, I will say this, I'm not saying you, you have to, but you could buy a Series S for 250 quid, $300, whatever it is. Really cheap way to get into Game Pass, next-gen loading speeds, next-gen things. And if you're only going to buy it for the Bethesda games, that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you won't get the best experience. But let's be honest, if you've got a Series X, you're not going to get the best experience. The best experience will come on a PC mm. with a 3090 and, you know, all the RAM up the wazoo. And then when the next card comes out, you buy that. <laughs> you know. RAM up the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's that's a, a new it's, feature. Yeah, <laughs> Wazoo Ram. It's the next. It's the next. It's the next. You know, you had the of it. You know, your Wazoo Ram is the next level, boys. Next, next level. You know, so this is seven X Wazoo Ram. trademark, copyright. So, but do you know what I mean? Like that's going to be always going to be the premium experience because you pay the premium price to have it, and. You know, if you want a console game and you want to play Bethesda games, the the message is loud and clear. It's an Xbox thing now. You know, we're the Xbox. I was was reading an article about it, which was really interesting. But before the whole acquisition took place, though, they were working, and and Todd Howard was talking about um, why the Game Pass model really works for Bethesda, and he was talking about Fallout 70, 70 you know, <clears throat> the game that should not, the Fallout that should not be mentioned, yeah. um, and uh, he he said that basically they were obviously struggling with it. And they went to Microsoft and Phil Spencer was able to give them a load of aggregate data from like similar titles of how people engage with it to know where they were going wrong and what they were doing. So Game Pass offers developers as well, like this huge slew of information that Microsoft can gather on all these different games and, and give them ideas about how they're faring compared to these other things and what the engagement is like with other games like this. So I think there's a huge win for Bethesda here as well. I'm super excited for what the future brings. Um, even though I'm not the biggest Bethesda fan, um, I'm certainly all for more content. Um, the next, the big one here is the next Doom game as well for me. That that means that I, I'm not going to miss out on the next Doom. Whilst I'm not a hardcore Doom fan, we both me and Alan called it out as one of our best games of last year. You can't really fault Doom and Doom Eternal. They've both been some of the best shooting experiences in a first-person game for ages. And in a, in a genre which I've got a little bit tired of first-person shooters, Halo being probably the exception to that, but Call of Duty I got just bored of. You know, when, when Doom 2016 rode around, I was like, look at that. Yeah, you know, and then Doom Eternal, it's like more of that, but better. I was like, yeah, you know. So it, it, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm not going to sound that. There's so much to talk about, but also great that the backwards was going to get the FPS boost. All that sort of stuff. It's, it's great. It's really good yeah. news. Mm. Super excited for him. Super great. Um, you know, uh, let's, let's look, let's hope Starfield is killer. 
yeah. yeah, that's just that's yeah. the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be good. Looking forward to seeing something about it. So, Mister Phil, you know, I know that I think you were very early on because you are our man who likes to play devil's advocate. I know you were one talking <laughs> about, oh well, you know, it's seven and a half billion. They're still going to make money. I can't see them pulling it off. And I, I know you kind of over time sort of chain came round a little bit more to our way of thinking. But you know, what's your take on all this? I guess, like you said, I've gradually come round to that, and I'm thinking, like, yeah, it makes. I get it. It makes sense. I mean. Uh, you say that i mean i i was a big fan of that whole like you know particularly with xbox game pass you know they're going to eventually have a browser streaming version for xcloud anyway so <laughs> you know whilst whilst they said oh will they make it exclusive like you know eventually there'll be a way that you can just stream it on a pc browser for xcloud anyway so it's not like yeah. you know it's going to be a real issue for somebody i mean you know you might have your playstation 5 as your main console and you're like oh, i really want to play that that new bethesda game you just got to do a month of Game Pass and stream it on your iPad and Bluetooth your PlayStation yeah. controller yeah. your iPad. Yeah. So actually, like, you know, they weren't really, they're not really locking anyone out of that system, so to speak, anyway. I mean, sure, you're not going to play it on your PlayStation per se, but there's so many other ways that you're going to be able to play these games that mm. there was no chance they were ever going to lose any money by doing this and making it exclusive. Um, you know, it's potentially going to bolster, particularly like Ratley said, you know, if you're looking for a cheap way into next gen, bolster maybe those sales of the, uh, the Series S console. Yeah. Uh, Let's be honest, once the consoles become more available, you know, once uh, demand meets, or su sorry, supply meets demand, there's going to be a lot of cheap One Xs out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Second hand. Yeah, it's very yeah. true. You know, if you're looking to get in cheap, you know, you're probably going to pick up a One X for like 150 quid or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, a really I, cheap way in to play those Bethesda well, games that, at 4K. That makes me wonder as well, Phil, because that's a really good point, because didn't Phil say they're not leaving any Xbox behind for like two two years minimum, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe two so, years yeah. from so yeah, yeah. so if, if in that in theory, if Starfield were to come out next year, that's going to sneak onto One X then and 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 Xbox One. Um, mm. I mean, you know, that's just a big what if, but you're right, that's a huge plus point for those people still on that. Mm. Yeah, what exactly. if so? What if let's say it's four years down the line and the the new Bethesda game or new Xbox exclusive for you know Series X or whatever comes out, um, all the blades have now been you know changed over for X Cloud. Um, and your old X OG Xbox One has now had a system update that it's got X Cloud integration in it. Potentially, yeah, you can just use your Xbox to play your Series X stuff through the cloud. They've still got you as a customer. You're still paying mm. Game Pass, which is what they want. They're not about selling this little bad boy to everybody, or even the, the Series S. You know, they're about getting you as a customer yeah. and subscribing. Yeah, because they're a software company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Microsoft company as well, are a, a software way. company and a service mm -hmm. company. That's where their money yeah. comes from. And uh, that potentially is a segue onto the next article as well, I suppose, in a moment. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. I mean, but, but... Well, they, just just on that, yeah. like just before we do, just you say about a service company, Microsoft make so much money just selling Office mm. as a subscription service. Mm -hmm. So they're obviously as a business going. How do we get games onto a Office-based subscription model? And earn money from it yeah because they make huge money off of that yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. what they've done yeah. and they did genius. that and say, yeah yeah sorry go, go on, on. Go on. i was like this, this this bethesda thing and acquiring these tools making it exclusive to game pass just j j how can you ignore game pass now these people who still say game pass is a bad idea and bad for you know consumers it's like as a consumer like i get i get you could argue that maybe there's a there's a thing where you know it, it takes away choice of where you can play these games by the same token like as a consumer i can spend a small monthly fee and have all these games at my disposal whenever and like even for someone like me as we've covered with the rubbish broadband jump onto my phone which has got good 5g play see if these are any downloading updates play you know i could be i could literally jump in on day one with let's say starfield 
on my phone while I wait for it to download on my Xbox and mm-hmm. be playing it. And then as soon as I get off that, switch onto my Xbox and playing it. So mm. Game Pass is such a good service and I'm really mm. pumped for that. But anyway, as we say, talking about Game Pass, yeah. segue it back. <laughs> That's break. it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's, um, Phil, you've got uh, some news around, uh, yeah, the, the Game Pass or, or streaming services, let's say, on the Xbox, haven't you? <laughs> So let's go in with the streaming services. Yeah. So yes, uh, Microsoft are currently testing their new Edge browser, which is Chromium powered. And the reason it's Chromium powered, it makes it very compatible with a lot of services. Mm. So we in particular have been talking about streaming Game Pass, for example. Mm. Fantastic. You know what? You know that this this browser is the replacement for Edge. It's the update for Edge. So all Windows PCs are going to get it. All your Xboxes are going to get it. It's part of the operating system. So uh, the big thing with it being Chromium powered is that you're going to be able to stream things like Google Stadia on there. So uh, Microsoft mm. inadvertently are saving the future of Stadia. <laughs> <laughs> their competitor by making it accessible on their games console. Mm. Um, which I thought was a really interesting point, but, but fantastic news. Um, it does also then add support for other things as well. So you've got things like Skype and Discord on there. Discord, I think, is a really big one. I mean, we in particular, we use Discord for our podcast. Mm. Um, and Discord mm. is such a good platform for that kind of, you know, speaking to people, the voice yep. chat, the video chat. It's just a really well-refined platform. It's been around for years. It's just very reliable. And actually, um, it springs particularly to me, like when I played Final Fantasy fourteen, I used to have to play it on PC and my friends would play it on PlayStation 4. And the way we would all chat was we'd use Discord on our phones. <laughs> So you know what, with the you know the browsers updating and Discord going in the background there, that actually gives access for more cross-play games and a way for you to have that kind of online conversation. Hmm. Also, it doesn't seem to have the same kind of lag that you sometimes get through Xbox Party Chat when you use Discord. Hmm. So I think hmm. that's really yeah. exciting as well. Um, you can get the latest version of this if you're in the alpha or skip ahead, I think they call it, yeah. uh, beta ring. Yep. Uh, so that is really alpha interesting. And, and alpha it's going to go ahead. onto Windows well, it should be on Windows now. I believe it was ninth and 9th of March. It launched on Windows as well. Yeah, I've got it on Windows. It's it's a really nice browser, to be fair. Like really nice. Um, yeah, I, I've got to say, I, I'm a big fan of the Edge browser. I have been for a long time, but since they sort of started moving towards this new iteration, like I've had the the preview of it before, and it's yeah, it's really good. Like really, really good. Um, it's, it's my favorite thing about it on my PC is it doesn't go like Chrome doesn't go. Oh, you've got RAM over there. I, I think I'm going to have that for no real reason. I took all of your RAM. <laughs> Just so you can have more than one tab open, you know. That's my my favorite. It doesn't just suddenly instantly click open Chrome, and my fans go like the PC is going to take off and go somewhere, you know. So yeah, I really like it. Big fan of it. So I'm looking forward to it coming to the Xbox. Actually, yeah, yeah. I think I I don't know if it was one of you boys had said this, or if I read this somewhere, maybe on Twitter somewhere. But uh, I saw a thing about I think it was Death Stranding as an example. But obviously, PlayStation (laughs) are now starting to put um, a lot of their console exclusive games on PC. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. This was a conversation we had quite a lot earlier in in the podcast, though, yeah. about whether you'd be able to stream PlayStation Now on an Xbox browser. Exactly. Yeah. So, effect- yeah, effectively, if it, well, it wasn't where I was going, but so basically, if you've got um, if you've got Death Stranding on a PC and you're streaming your Steam library through GeForce Now onto your <laughs> Xbox, is it then a console <laughs> exclusive still? Uh, which I thought, yes, as Chris said that, which I think is quite funny, really. I mean, it's you know, it does it? It doesn't matter either way, does it? But I it's, think it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it give access to games wherever you are, which is just a good thing, right? Exactly. This whole thing is just good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice yeah. that Microsoft are leading the way with this of just kind of just getting games out everywhere. 
you know what I mean? Mm. The, the the way that they work with Nintendo as well. You know, a lot of their games mm. on on Switch platforms. And man, get imagine getting Game Pass open up on a Switch. I wonder if that. Oh, mate, that would, be, actually, that would be insane. I want it to go the other way because I don't like Nintendo consoles. They're just mm. not my jam. <laughs> they're very well designed. You know, they're great bits of kit, but I just don't like the Nintendo experience. Mm. But there are Nintendo games I really want to play. I will not buy a Nintendo console to play them. So I'm hoping at some point there's going to be a quid pro quo where there's enough Xbox games go on to Nintendo Switch that we maybe get some of like the Xenoblade Chronicles and like, dare I say it, a Legend of Zelda. Yeah, that will never happen. Back not in a million years, mate. Never, it's never going to happen. I know that, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe, just maybe Nintendo be like, you know what? I know we have a lot of money. But let's make some more money by making do, our games you know, more the, accessible. The only thing that ever happened, right, is if you know there was that conversation where when Microsoft were looking for something to buy, they went to Nintendo and said, we want to buy you, and Nintendo basically laughed them out of the building. Mm. The only way that'll ever happen, you'll get Zelda on the Xbox, is if Microsoft somehow find enough money to just buy Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the only way it's happening, mate. They, they like, I could start by buying Japan and then <laughs> trying to buy, because Nintendo are never going to sell. It's like <laughs> Not a chance, mate, not a chance. I don't, <laughs> Zelda is so precious to Nintendo. Nintendo. Zelda and Mario, yeah. just those mm. two titles, man. Like Pokemon's probably the other one, like, but mate, yeah, those yeah. Two, those those things are so intrinsically linked with Nintendo, man. They'll they'll they they're the thing, they're the reason some people buy, yeah, you know, Nintendo consoles. I, my mate Brad is a huge, huge Zelda fan, yeah. um, and I know that he he bought uh, a Switch to play Breath of the Wild. Um, I mean, he bought it for a lot of other reasons. He's a big Nintendo fan and enjoys their console. That and Smash Bros were the big ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, people will buy a console for that. There's no way they'll let that go. It's, it, that mm. is one of the few true, like, console shifters that are still out there. You've probably yeah. got Halo in there. Um, PlayStation have got... Um, oh, I've just blanked on it completely. But, you know, PlayStation at one point, with PlayStation 2 and 3, you had just reams of console-exclusive games that you buy. God of War is probably one that will shift consoles now after God of War in the last generation. Mm, last of yeah, the last Uncharted. of us probably would have done yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Uncharted, Uncharted will do it, you know. So mm. there's a lot of reasons you, 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 you know, you, 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 Nintendo will never, those three IPs, man, I promise you, you'll never see them outside of Nintendo consoles. Well, just imagine, so just many. imagine. It's never going to happen. There's so yeah. many. There's so many Nintendo figureheads. Um, you know, they're such a brand. They're like they're like Disney characters. They're so yeah. big. Your Mario's yeah. and your Toad and your Zeldas and all these different things that they've got. There's so much. Your yeah. Metroid. There's so many, and that's what make Nintendo consoles so appealing to such mass markets to the people who played them back yeah. when they were kids and are now adults yeah. to new kids coming in and and they make great games because they've been doing it for so so long. You know, like it, like you very rightly said, Chris. You know, PlayStation again have a number of different. Um, you know, figurehead. Metal Gear Solid was what I was trying to think of. Metal, Metal Gear, Gear Solid, yeah. One. I mean, it's yeah, yes. yeah. You know, it's it, although it's a bit more multi-platform now, but yeah, it was often yeah, it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was often very much that way. You know, Xbox has its fair share. Obviously, that's grown a little bit more now. But I think always their biggest one has always been definitely Master Chief, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, which actually, moving on quite nicely, <gasps> I think you know we've got. Um, I promised a little bit about Pablo Schreiber's um, Master Chief, yeah. didn't I? You Chris? said Pablo Schreiber, so I don't have to. Oh wait, I just did. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> shall we tell a little story before well, we'll get into this and then we'll tell a little story about what yeah. phil said shall we just to embarrass yeah, yeah, him on the podcast <laughs> so uh let's not so, discuss that yeah the, the news is shame essentially enough. <laughs> shame, shame. shame. <laughs> the, um, the, the uh so the news is back onto point um pablo schraver is going to play the master chief in uh, the upcoming halo tv show mm. which we're all super excited for um and uh he had well it's been announced that they won't be dubbing his vocals 
with the with the the real voice of the master chief if you like which is steve downs mm. um i you know i yeah <laughs> this is a big one right because the master chief is so distinctive having mm. said that yeah. we didn't have steve downs in ford unto dawn and it didn't in any way take away from how badass and cool the chief was mm. so it's a really sort of you know thing where we're recasting an iconic character but i think in this case it's that we you know we talked about re, yeah, we'll talk about recasting in general i think maybe a little bit but with this one, i think it's so cool because the master chief is the the ultimate faceless protagonist right he has no face the the thing that identifies the master chief is his voice mm. yeah the minute i hear steve down speak i'm like <clears throat> it's the master chief mm -hmm. you know more than any other protagonist probably ever that voice just you hear it and you're like master chief yeah you know and it does make me it doesn't make me concerned let's put it way. it's it it means it's got another hurdle it's got across with me and probably a lot of other fanboys to prove itself in that we won't have that voice so we won't have cortana as well because to give you just to give you an example of how important that can be to some things i used to work on microsoft's windows phone we team. will have cortana the, the oh, we will. Okay, that, cool. yeah she is now so signed on yeah yeah okay so so but this it actually brings me to the point so i worked used to work on a windows phone team many moons ago and we had the cortana voice assistant launch on phones and that was all the, all the rage and she was uh like so everyone everyone said it's like cortana and they introduced her you know, here's cortana and cortana and it was it was the voice and we're just like yes this is amazing like it was like everything you could have wished for right and you're like oh, this is so cool and then when they brought it to the uk they uh made it region specific and it wasn't her yeah. and it's like that's not cortana there's no excuse for this she speaks english we speak english why the haven't i got cortana <laughs> yeah. they're like oh yeah people don't want an american voice like, no, i want cortana's voice i don't give a crap what the accent is i want cortana's voice and you back so the only way to do it everyone was changing their phones to u.s language you know english u.s just to have cortana sound like cortana yeah. and it was like yeah because i was like <laughs> yeah I, fortunately like they, my work were like you can't do that it has to be the uk where microsoft were really strict about it i was like yeah personal phone it's <laughs> 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 like you know because it was it was so cool to have cortana you know like mm. and it does matter in that sometimes you know so i am a little concerned with is the master chief gonna feel like the master chief but then like as i said in ford unto dawn the coolest thing about the master chief wasn't that he was talking it was that the master chief was standing there whooping covenant yeah. left right and center like... well actually after we had that discussion off off air didn't we um i actually looked it up because I was, I was you know wanted to see who did the voice and everything like that um and they actually the way they kind of went around it is they actually originally were going to have steve downs as the voice and they tried to de-age it because it turns out when ford onto dawn was set i didn't even it didn't even cross my mind the Master Chief in that was actually 15. He's a 15-year-old child, this seven-foot monster. Obviously, because he's genetically enhanced or whatever. So that's why they, how they got away with the younger voice, and it kind of worked that way. So it kind of had me thinking, with well, maybe they're gonna, it's going to be Pablo Schreiber's voice, but it's going to be at a different time period, because it's not saying yeah. it's current Chief. Who knows when it is? It could be early on, couldn't it? Yeah, um, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I loved Ford Unto Dawn. When the Chief showed up, like Ford Unto Dawn, I'll be honest, Ford Unto Dawn was that in, in parts, wasn't it? And mm. I remember watching it kind of going, come on this is a halo thing when are we gonna see some actual halo stuff right and then like and i waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and you see the odst you're like this is getting cool yeah and the covenant you're like this is getting cool and then the chief says i was like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is really cool that great intro where he just like shanks that uh that elite from behind and he's just like yeah yeah this dude this dude's badass you know and you just you know from that moment on like yeah it's gonna get real so yeah i'm super excited for what they bring to it but it'll be interesting to see how it affects people's response to it you know mm, so yeah I, I know craig you're a big halo fan mm. so i wanted to get your take on how you feel about this because mm. yeah, yeah you're in the same 
Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, like you say, it, he is the faceless protagonist. His voice is everything. Steve Downs mm. is the Master Chief. And not having him there, it's it's going to take some getting over. Um, the fact that, I mean, equally, I wouldn't want to have a great actor like Pablo Schreiber playing Master Chief for him then not to be able to use his voice and to be able to act properly. And it might be a bit disjointed that way. So I'm going to... In my in my older age and my wisdom now these days, I'm going to kind of hold, try and hold judgment back a little bit. Yeah, you know, and and I want to trust in what they're doing. You know, they're good good um, content makers who are creating this. It's got good casting. I like that they brought Cortana back. So I would hope that they'll try and stay true to the canon and try and thematically bring in why he has a different voice. You know, whether it is a different time period, something like that. I think it is important. Um, you know, when I one of the biggest things I think this is a sort of a counter question actually off what we're kind of announcing here it, that there's been several times over the years where people have changed voices whether or changed characters or changed actors within tv or games and things and the biggest one for me that was really i couldn't get over was splinter cell blacklist so again uh, yeah. yeah so yeah, you've michael got ironside. sam fisher michael ironside yeah. was sam fisher he has got such a distinct voice that yeah deep growl of a voice he's got i mean it's unmistakable yeah. and he was sam fisher um now i know that later on in in later um interviews he, yeah, had, he brought him back didn't he? yeah well he was he was ill wasn't he he, he i think he had ah, cancer okay. um and that's why he actually he stepped away from the project you know but and actually ubisoft did the right thing and just said look we're just recasting and bringing a younger person in you know to fit yep. the character or whatever and it was massive uproar about it but they kept quite, took a lot of stick for that didn't they, they did they, they did. took a lot of stick for that yeah. and it and was only after mm. yeah, it was only afterwards that it all came out and everyone yeah. was like oh yeah. But I didn't know. I, I didn't heard it's in that news, so I didn't know. I just yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, and that really it ruined the game for me. I think I played maybe two or three missions on it, and I just couldn't play it because I was like, it's not Sam yeah. Fisher. It's you know, if it just named it a different name of game, I'd have been okay because it was a good game. But it just took me out of it so much. I subsequently, after I found out the reason they took him out, it completely changed my mind on it, and I went right. I like what they did and why they did it, and and it's, it gave me the drive to go back in. And I enjoyed it then, playing it that way. Fair enough, um, yeah. But, you know, it's really, it, it just changes on the circumstance of, of why things are different. I mean, Phil, I know that, the, well, I know we've discussed one in particular change in voice, but, you know, is there any occurrences like this? <laughs> that was coming here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five. Mm. <laughs> Deeper Sutherland instead of David Hayater. Like, yeah. I loved all the Metal Gear Solids from the original on the PlayStation, well, it wasn't technically the original, but from the first PlayStation Metal Gear, mm. right through to four, David Hayter all the way, and then they brought in Kiefer Sutherland. I'm just like, I get why they did it. You know, it's a bigger name. It's a household name. It gave the game the extra clout, but it wasn't Solid Snake to me, mm. or Big mm. Boss in this case, sorry. It wasn't Big Boss because it wasn't David Hayter. And... Yep. You know, I, I really struggled with that, actually, because I loved the Metal Gear Solid games. Metal Gear Solid 5 was a brilliant game. Insane game, but absolutely brilliant. I mean, there's so many quirky, like, Kojima-isms in there, shall we say. We could do a whole <laughs> podcast on Kojima games, couldn't we? Oh, How God, weird. yeah. <laughs> yeah, from hiding in cardboard boxes to finding posters of anime girls posted <laughs> up and <laughs> everything else that you could find and, you know... The fact that you could what was it you could fulton the sheep for example and store them <laughs> on an entire separate platform and create a wildlife resort over there it's mm. just the game was mad but yeah it was such a such a jarring experience even with just like ground zeros when he when he came in as keith or something in ground zeros I was like, oh, it just 
doesn't sound like the boss. Mm. Doesn't sound like mm. Big Boss, but you so know what? Me, I played through and I loved it, and the, I, yeah. the game was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. But. With that example, see for me, and it goes to you know you had that emotional attachment to David Hater as his voice in the other games, whereas for me with Metal Gear Solid games, I mean. Nine times out of ten, I can't stand that aspect of Kojima games, <laughs> the story points. They're just complete nonsensical rubbish. Like, I'm just, and I just want to skip them. I just, because I, the mechanics of the games are very, very good. So I had no attachment to David Hater. And actually, in its own little bubble, Keith Sutherland, I thought, was a good fit for that character. Do you know what I mean? But it's coming from two different angles, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? Solid is your Halo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to talk about recasting, one of my favorite ever, like, recast, the way of dealing with a recast ever. I'm not a big fan of the movie as a whole. In fact, it's got, as far as I'm concerned, one great scene that the rest of the movie is fairly meh. In fact, fairly turd. Is in Iron Man 2, where they introduce Rhodey after mm-hmm. the recasting. Yeah. Is that oh, great? He's like, what are you doing here, buddy? And he's like, I'm, look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's yeah. move on. And I was just like, superb. Well played. You know, well done. You know, I mean, like I say, I, I'm not the biggest fan of that film. It, it drives me mad. But like, but except for that scene at the racetrack with the suitcase, it's just, just the best yeah. thing ever. Oh, I love like, that. It's the coolest, coolest <laughs> moment. Yeah. yeah. Coolest yeah. moment. Wicked suit. Like, the, the film can't keep up with itself after that moment. It just yeah. falls apart. But that moment is worth it. You know, it's but too early. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, definitely. But like, you know, that scene though, with the way they, they, they deal with the recasting in a way that was just, it was just so, so well put together. It was just like, yep, I, I love the way you did that. I'll tell you one recasting, which I hope, I hope to God they voice bank the man's voice for posthumous. And they don't try and get someone to do a bad impression of. And that is uh, James L. Jones for Darth Vader. They need mm. to like get him do a whole voice library so they never have to use anybody else. I mean, in Rogue One, he sounded like, you know, not quite right because he's obviously getting old. Mm. That's not, you know, say, you know, thing, but. You know, they need to make sure that that happens so that God, they have intended to use the Darth Vader character again. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's, you know, I mean, you know, credit to the man, you know, he's a, he's a legend, but no one can do that. that that'll be a, it's an irreplaceable voice. There are a few of them out there that are just truly irreplaceable. And mm-hmm. I've said, you know, in the animated series, you've had some, some Darth Vader impressions and they always do an adequate job. But, you know, that voice and that character, you know, yeah. can't see anyone else doing that, that just on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a David Attenborough, you know, his the voice, yes. you know, it's again, it's just it's it's irreplaceable, definitely. But no, good stuff. Cool. Right. Well, you know, we've been banging on quite a bit. I suppose with the whole thing around the PS5, we've kind of almost done four news stories really this week. So that's why we're <laughs> running a little bit behind schedule. So I think we're gonna move swiftly over to the quiz. So this week I've royally stitched these boys up, something quick, <sighs> and we're doing a bit of a mastermind round. So I have picked them each a subject that I know they both are very confident on and know stuff about, but I have picked <laughs> them very difficult questions. Um, a lot of these questions, I've read them and gone, what's that? Who's What does that mean? Uh, I'm, I'm going to see whether these guys know it. And then what I've done, so they're going to have their own round each, so they won't need a buzzer. So we're going to go, Chris is going to go first with his round. Then Phil is going to go second with his round, 10 questions each. Then after that, we're going to have a buzzer round, which is going to be a little easier on something that I know they both love um, and see who can claw back <laughs> a few points that way. So... Chris. Or score any points, but it's a score any points. You never know. Oh, I think yeah. you'll do all right. I think I'm your boys a little are doing concerned right. about this. You boys, you boys know I'm these genuinely subjects. nervous now. You genuinely boys, nervous no. now. <laughs> you boys know these subjects, and uh, but but you know uh, we'll see. We'll see how we go. Right, Chris, are you ready? Right. 
So, question number one. Yours is all about DC Comics. Oh. Which you're a big fan. Oh, oh yeah, but they, do you know how massive that yeah, lore I know, is? I know, I know. I've not, I've not gone too mad with it. I'm not going too mad. Oh, go on, show your arm. Show your arm. Go on. You got your this. Yeah, look at the DC Comics tattoos. Look. <laughs> so, sort of death of Superman, really. So, yeah. Right, question number one. What was Wonder Woman originally named? I'm from... I'm, I'm just going to take a stab and don't go, Diana, Princess of the Amazons. No, it was Suprema, apparently. Oh, yeah, no, okay, that rings a bell. Yep, yeah, that rings a bell. Okay, cool, yeah. right. I told you, it's not easy ones, not easy ones. Yeah, right. no, not easy at all. Question number two. Which DC villain was meant to be terminated after their second appearance? It's a big name supervillain. Dead air here while he's thinking. Mm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm. There's a name which jumped into my head, and I was like, "Nah, it can't be that. That would, that would." Um, I'll give you. It's, it, also, it's a big name. It's a big name. Yeah, well, there's two. There's two big names in my head. Mm -hmm. Um. Um. Hmm. So the the two I'm tossing about is Joker and Doomsday. So, I'm going to say Joker. Is right. Yes. Joker yes. was originally supposed to be terminated after their second appearance, but they were so popular that they kept him mm. in and become arguably the biggest supervillain in DC mm. now, haven't they? Fantastic. Well, he's, he's probably the most... I think, I think there was a point where he's the most well-known villain in the world Pretty in terms well, of yeah. comic lore. Yeah, probably. Which is, yeah. You know, it's unbelievable how you know, how well that, that's happened. Yeah. Considering how, if you've ever read the comics, how, how dark the Joker mm. stuff gets. Yeah. Like, he's just nasty, you know? He's a nasty piece oh, of yeah. work. Oh, yeah, people don't know really what the Joker's all about. Yeah. But a lot he's, of people. A, he's a really nasty piece of work. <laughs> cool. Right, number three. Who was the founder of DC Comics? Mm, no, um, just, yeah, can't like, even. Oh, yeah. sorry, mate. So I really stitched you up here and I, right? It's Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson. God, blimey. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have got that. Okay, got no that. worries. Number four, which crime syndicate original member organised the Secret Society of Supervillains? These, these are old as well. Like, you're going, you're going deep cuts. Oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, this is what I mean. Like, the law is so vast. Uh, yeah, so, so, um, so which crime syndicate original member organised the Secret Society of Supervillains? To be Let's honest, go Lex Luthor. Um, it was The Outsider. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. fair so, enough. Yeah. Don't so, even know the character. <laughs> like, so, you know. Oh, maybe I picked a bad one for you here. I'm sorry, mate. Um, That's right, mate. So I think <laughs> just showcasing my weak knowledge of the older <laughs> stuff, the Golden Age stuff is not where I shine. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, who are the members of the Gotham City Sirens? Uh, well, there's... Um, there's three of them. Holly Quinn, Poison Ivy and huntress i'll give you one more guess oh hold on uh better I, known. I, I, I know i know this but i'm trying to think oh. better known than huntress much better known so we've got harley quinn poison ivy and one other oh he's looking in pain for audio listeners oh, <laughs> oh. Completely blank. Catwoman is the only one I can think of. She's the only thing my character I can Done think it. of. Done it, Catwoman. It? Yes, oh, that's it. Just, that's it. Yes. It wasn't. <laughs> I was completely stuck. It's like no. Phil has just got the most stern, worried look on his face when he's waiting for his <laughs> round to turn up. 
<laughs> cool. Right. Number six. You set me right up. No, it's all good. Number six. Ditched How many kipper. languages does Bruce Wayne speak? <laughs> 17. No, all over, of them. Over 40, yeah. apparently. You know, no, Batman. <laughs> Batman's like Superman. Put armor, we need it. How many? He can speak that one. Why not? Eh? Yeah. Like, you know. Cool. Right. Um, the Green Lantern villain, Dr. Polaris, was killed by which superhero during the Infinite Crisis? Oh, I read this a little while ago. Oh. Tense. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I can read it on Chris's face for the audio listeners. He's thinking, why do I come on this? I thought I'd come on this to chill out and have a nice time. Why has he done this to me? <laughs> I literally read Infinite Crisis. Like, oh. Is it, hold on, hold on. Is it Infinite Crisis, not Christ on Infinite Earths, isn't it? Infinite, Infinite Crisis. Crisis, yeah. So I read Christ on Infinite Earth, for Earth recently. Oh, uh, um, okay, I didn't know that was any different, to be honest. Yeah, for the audio listeners, Chris has a severe look of stress on his face now. <laughs> you wouldn't believe! This is the same look I'm likely to mimic in approximately <laughs> less. I'm, I'm, I'm massaging my temples, I'm that stressed now. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, we'll just say... Um, Let's say the Spectre. That was Human Bomb, apparently. Oh, there you go. Human Bomb, of course, yeah. you know. Uh, I course. don't know if you'd ever heard of him before. Why didn't you know that, Chris? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I haven't read it. Like, Infinite Crisis is one of the big ones I've never read. To be right, fair, so. okay, cool. Yeah, All right, so, Infinite is, mm. right, so who used their power to temporarily restore Joker's sanity? Mm, oh... Another tough one here. The thing is, it shouldn't be. I should know this, and yeah. it's, it's annoying me now. Because um... think about it, I know you've said before you're more of a Superman DC fan, aren't you, than like... Well, I, I, I tend to stick around the Trinity. I like the universe. I like the but the, the Justice League, the main Justice yeah. League thing yeah, is right. where I'm at. But And, and you've gone for some, some older stuff as well, which is not right. my strong suit, I'll be okay. honest. Yeah. Um, uh, See, I didn't even know I was going for older stuff. I was just like looking online. <laughs> well, but it, uh, that's the other problem is like you can get like so Infinite Crisis, there's cri yeah, Infinite Crisis, Infinite Crisis on Infinite Earth, all this sort of stuff. It's like it's uninitiated, it's, it all sounds the same, but it's like, yeah, yeah so. Um, and it, it all depends what you've read. There's so much comic lore, right? If you talk about yeah. the whole of DC comics, which you're doing, you know, it's like, okay, um, yeah. when you said, I know you're into this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, but not but not that much. Like, I couldn't do a mastermind specialist subject on DC. Like, um, hold on. Uh, so who was it? So let's just say I'm trying to think of a, a character that could do it. I'll, I'll give you a tip. With... I'll give you a tip because these I think I've made too hard to be honest. Um, I'll give you a tip. He is he he is one of the Justice League. I think one of the more outer Justice League people. So not in Martian the... Manhunter. Martian Manhunter is correct. Yes, I'll give yep. it a hand it was, there. Yep. Yeah, nice one. Well done. Nice. Okay, right. Which superhero's secret identity is Carter Hall? Oh, Hawkman? Yeah, boy. <laughs> nice. Um, what is the alias of the common disguise uh, adopted by Batman to infiltrate Gotham City's criminal underworld zone? What is the alias of the common disguise adapted by Batman to infiltrate Gotham City's criminal underworld zone? Uh, I feel like I should know this, but I'm not. I don't know. It is Matches Malone, apparently. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that before. 
wouldn't have got that. To be fair, considering you were like stressing and struggling, you're four out of ten, which is pretty good because they were <laughs> really hard, mate. They were really difficult, mate. Well, yeah, but there's a bit of a punt on one of them, so you know. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah. No, it was good. Nice. They right. Are tough, man. Some of them are really like really tough, but yeah. Yeah. No, well done, mate. Well done. That's good. Right, Phil. So, are you ready for your specialist subject? That was tough tough on Ratley I'll give him I think I went a bit harder on him than I have on you to be honest um so it shouldn't be too bad I'm really so. hoping so because I mean he's got an extra vein in his head that he didn't have when we started now <laughs> so right Phil you know, your specialist subject is going to be on Bioware space RPGs oh jeez come on <laughs> come on right right but hold on comics it's like Six Bioware games? Are you having a laugh? (laughs) So what you're saying is, when I don't do very well because he asks really obscure questions, I'm done for. Right, okay. It's a quick book law where I can ask you about this random one-off issue that this thing happened in that I haven't got a clue about versus... (laughs) Just so we're clear, Craig asked you what subject you'd prefer to talk about. Oh, I didn't. No, he didn't. I didn't have a clue. Oh, no. Right. Anyway, let's move on. So we've got... <laughs> this is... this is. Right, let's see if you can do better though, Phil. So number one, what is the oldest known species in the Mass Effect series? Oh, the oldest known species? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to say Prothean. It's wrong, I'm afraid. It is Leviathan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Leviathan is the oldest. Okay, question number two. Uh, Which one of these vendors is not one of Commander Shepard's favourite stores located (laughs) on the Citadel in Mass Effect 2? Ceres Technology, Saronis Applications, Rodum Expeditions, or Harrods Emporium? Which one is not one of his favourites located on the Citadel? Rodum Expedition? I'm afraid Rodum? not. No, no. Oh, it was Harrods Emporium because yeah. it's the only one of those that's actually on Omega. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe oh, I yes, made my special subject that's more narrowed down than Ratley's and it's not any easier. <laughs> right. Question number three. Who is responsible for releasing the genophage? Specific person or the race? The race. Oh, it was the Salarians. It was not. No, it was the Turians. The Salarians created it. And, oh, the Salarians yeah. developed it, didn't they? Trick question, oh, mate. Not as easy as I but, thought. <laughs> I'll be honest, Phil, I would have fallen into that trap until the very second you said the Salarians. I went, yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Where would have just flowed out of my mouth and gone, it was the Salarians. And yeah. then they'd be like, yeah, but the minute you said it, I was like, oh my God, no, it isn't. They made it. Like, yeah. you know. So tough one, tough one. Right. Okay, question number four. How many ships were constructed for the Andromeda Initiative? You played the game quite recently, haven't you, as well? Some of the game quite recently. All right, okay. So obviously you're looking for four arcs in the game, but I want to say there was five arcs in total. There was six, mate. Oh, do you know I was thinking about six? Yeah, because you were looking for four. One was already there and you were on one, weren't you? Yes. Mm, Unlucky, mate. No, never mind, never mind. It's all right, it's all right. We've still got five to go. Right. Right. How many squad members did the original Mass Effect trilogy have in total, including DLC? How many? (laughs) (laughs) 
Hold on. You feel a little bit better a, about this now, Chris. This is a question you answered on the list set question. Wow. No, I know. That's why I'm trying to go through and remember them. Well, just how many did he give you as a possible from that is the question. Can't remember now. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to list them in my head as I go through them. Oh, just. Oh, it's gone blank. I'm going to. 10? It's 20, mate. I say like, you list like 16. It's the pressure. Oh, it's the pressure. Right. Okay. Who were the mate, first? These are horrible. These are horrible, mate. Such <laughs> a horrible experience. <laughs> Who were I hate f- you, Craig. I'm never coming back. <laughs> right. Who were the first species to make contact with the Elcor in Mass Effect? <laughs> it's a complete blank look. It's like he didn't even register. I smoke. <laughs> this is a horrible. Oh, I think I. Oh, I think I know it might be. I think I know it might be, but I'm not going to say anything. Again, who was the who was the first species to make contact with the Elcor? Did yes, the Hanar. It was not the Hanar. Chris, do you want to give it a go? I'm not going to give you the a drill. point. Huh? The drill? No, it was the Asari. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so right. So slight, going off on a slight tangent here on this one. Number seven. Why is Darth Malak missing his jaw? This is obviously from Knights of the Old Republic. Ooh, yeah. Why is Darth oh! Malak missing his jaw? And I know you love these games, and you've played them through multiple times. Yeah, I know. Uh, and you know them it- intimately from your own admission. Doesn't he get it chopped off fighting Revan? Isn't that? Doesn't oh. he suffer an injury from that? I'm going to give you that. So Revan took it when Malik called him soft. Hmm. But I'll give you that because uh, yeah, he did chop yeah. it off. All right. Yeah. 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 I would, I would, yeah. If you hadn't given him that, I'd have been like, great, sort harsh. it out. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. that would have been like, ridiculous. <laughs> right. Uh, question number eight. Again, this is this, these are the Star Wars ones from now on, from the uh, Knights of the Old Republic games. So why is Zalbar exiled from Kashyyyk? I believe Zalbar uh, is one I of your parties. Yeah, I think. Isn't he responsible for letting? Uh, isn't it the? It's something to do with like letting the Zerka Corporation there. Like they, he's one of the reasons that they they get involved with the Wookies, and then that leads to them enslaving the Wookies. No, it's not. It's because he tried to kill his brother. Ah, of course it was. Phil was saying, I was like, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. totally it. That's totally it. And then, like, <laughs> remember, and, it, and it's his brother who was responsible for letting the making the right. deal with the humans, okay. which then okay. ended up being them enslaved. Uh, oh, I just got it the wrong way around. Right. Okay. So, what kind of ship is the Ebon Hawk? <laughs> Pacific? Huh? A, I think it's a frigate. <laughs> It's a dynamic class freighter. Okay. I'd have, I'd have gone for freighter and that did about as far as yeah. I got. So, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, what is Jolie's friend on Manan named? Jolie, I think, was a Jedi, I believe. Yes. Yeah. He's a great What Jedi. was his friend on sure. Manan named? It was a single word name. <laughs> Drawing a blank. <laughs> I'll give you the first letter. It's an S. Uh, that's not really helping me, unfortunately. <laughs> it's not like Seth or something or Seth. No. It's no. Sunry. Sunry. And that was question number 10. 
So that was some top one. On on this, at least the people listening have had a good go to try and guess some of these questions. (laughs) Now they're all turned off because they're like, screw this. Like they got got like three questions in my head. Like it's a stupid quiz. Maybe we need to put this down as a failed experiment because it's not going very well. Like, so how many how many characters in Mass Effect? I'm sitting there trying to list them off like yeah. I did before, and then it's like I can't list them now. So you got uh, yeah. So so for after those first rounds each, that's four points to Ratley and one point to Phil. Okay, so we go on to the third round. Now this is where we need a buzzer. So boys, I need a buzzer from you each. Uh, Chris, what is your buzzer going to be? I am going to go with one I've used before, but I'm going to go wubba lubba dub dub wubba lubba dub dub. Love it. Bit of Rick and Morty and Phil. Whenever you ask me for a buzzer, I give you a buzzer. It's really good and clever, and then I forget it and panic. So my buzzer this will be. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make noise and wave my hands. That means I want to answer the question. And it. <laughs> right, no I'll give you that one. This week, I'll tell you what. If they're, if they're anything like the, these previous questions, we're going to be sat there like this is silence. <laughs> yeah, these are a lot. These are a lot easier. Like now, who has <laughs> seen the film The Fifth Element? Yeah. Yeah, not for a while, but I, no. I have seen that movie. Okay, so these are some much, much easier questions from The Fifth Element. So question number one. What languages does Corbin Dallas speak? <laughs> Go on, Phil. Uh, I didn't say English and bad English. That's it. English and bad English. I got it, yes. Line from the <laughs> film. Fantastic. Well done, mate. Nice one. I love that line. Um, okay, so question number two. What is The Fifth Element? That's Ratley. She is. Lilu is the fifth element. Lilu. Or love, you could say, I guess, is the... Is the you know. Love. It is love. Okay. I'll give you... All right, okay, I'll give you that, Chris. That's a that technicality, was... I guess. Because <laughs> she, she says, I am the fifth element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Supreme being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So love is the so... fifth element. Yeah. So... <laughs> okay, cool. Right. Um, question number three. What country is the opening scene of the movie set? In what country? Chris, Egypt. It is Egypt. Yes, mate. It seemed, it seemed too obvious. It just seemed too yeah, obvious. I was yeah. like, but there yeah. aren't pyramids anywhere else. Yeah, like, it's got to be Egypt. <laughs> you know. I told you these are much easier. These ones much easier. Okay, next question. Yeah, you now because you just you just, yeah, just, know. just <laughs> tortured us with those questions. We're now like that can't be that easy. This it is just be. like a nice I'm second guessing everything now. <laughs> this is like a nice rub down and a shiatsu at the end. You see, I'm just like you know, it's lovely. No, okay. it's not. It's still torture. <laughs> like you don't, know, you don't know what you've done to me. My nerves, man. Hang on a sec. We haven't heard, we haven't had a happy ending yet. So maybe we'll get oh, that. you ain't get one of them. Phil. Um, yeah. <laughs> so right. Uh, next question. We have, where do Corbin and Lilu take a trip to? Phil. Flossed and Paradise. It is Flossed yeah. and Paradise. Uh, yes, mate. In the Angel the Constellation. Yes. Yeah, I got the Paradise bit and I couldn't get that. that I was like, it's, it's, it's like, and then as soon as you, you did your <laughs> crazy hand waving, I was like, it's Flossed and Paradise. Damn it. <laughs> right. Got me there, Phil. Well done. What is the name of Gary Oldman's character? Phil, um, something Emmanuel Zorg. <laughs> I just had Zorg. I'll give you that. Yes, yeah, Zorg. Okay. Is it, yeah. That's it. Well I, done. I like three names, and the, it was like Emmanuel Zorg were the last yeah. two. <laughs> so Such much a great character. Yeah, he's yeah. wicked. Such a great character. He's so good. I'm going to go and watch that film again. Actually, it's so good. Right. Mate, so Apple TV on 4K now. Yeah, I did see that. I think it's only about five quid as well. 
to buy. Mm. So I might have to do that. So anyway, at the end of that one, we have Ratley on six points and Phil on four points. So this week... Oh, we done, have we? Yeah, that is it. Chris, oh, you are the that. winner for this week. So <laughs> well done. It was a tough quiz. Um, maybe we'll put the, uh, the the mastermind thing to one side and maybe make the questions a little easier. Can that from a quiz to a uh, slight torturous, you know, you know uh, event that is going to go down in my life like yeah. record? It's like, never want to relive this moment. Yeah, let me make you feel terrible about something you love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it. Um, you know loads of stuff this, but here's all the things you don't know, you know. <laughs> That's quality stuff, right? Well, I haven't got the leaderboard up. I'll have to call it up in a second. Um, I thought we weren't doing it in not yet. Uh, that's a good point, actually. Yes, you're right. Because otherwise, here. it puts him at a distinct yes. disadvantage. No, we're not going to do it. Yes, my apologies. So, yeah, but that was a good bit of fun, though. Anyway, wasn't it? So, uh, well Yo, done, Chris. Uh, you can tell by the look on mine and Phil's faces. We had such a laugh doing this. Like, I had a great yeah, look time. At us. I had a great time. <laughs> warn you to out right maybe next maybe next week me and ratley come up with some questions about your favorite subject craig so you just get that? put in your Sorry? mastermind oh, so i've got to go someone's calling me um so the uh <laughs> <laughs> next time me and me and, me and me and phil just you know like as we're out of quarantine meet you somewhere in the field just jag you with hot pokers because that would be more fun to be perfectly honest mate oh, for us sense. anyway <laughs> yeah um right so i think that's about it now because we've been yammering on for hours and hours and hours um but i've had a great time again it's been really good fun having a chat about everything and chatting about the ps5 and all the things that have been going on just another reminder um you know if you are listening on the audio version i am migrating everything over to anchor so you may have to look again there'll be this episode will go up obviously on audio because you wouldn't hear it otherwise um but going forward they're going to be going over to this other service so just remember that if you can't spot what you're listening to um and then all that leaves really is it's a buy from me it's a buy from Ratley. Goodbye. And it's a bye from Phil. Bye. And a bye from all of us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.